See, I didn't have to say anything. You all just like saw me walk into the front of the stage and got quiet. That was great. Uh, good morning, Capital City Church. My name is Pastor Jacob, and it is so good to be with you today. Uh, we have a few brief announcements, and then we have an awesome worship service for you. Good preaching, and guess what? We're going to encounter God today. So the question isn't, is God present? The question is, are you in tune with the Holy Spirit so that you can encounter him today? Um, but we have a few brief announcements. And so first off, I want to say that we got in a new apparel order. So I know some of you had ordered shirts, sweatshirts, hats, things like that. We've gotten those in. And so if you ordered something, see us at the information desk at the end of service. And we'll make sure you get your order and get you squared away. And then there will be a lot of other merchandise next week for anybody who hasn't pre-ordered. Um, also, coming up this Wednesday, if you are involved in a Thrive group or you want to be involved in a Thrive group, um, we want to encourage you to come out Wednesday. Wednesday, we will be having pizza and fellowship before our Thrive group, so get here at 6.30, enjoy some pizza, meet, mingle, get to know some people, and try to get plugged in with a small group or a Thrive group, as we call it here at Capital City Church. Also coming up, we want to remind you that your giving statements, if you gave to the church at all last year, we have giving statements for you at the information desk in the back, and you can get those after service. Um, we all know tax season is coming up, and we need those, and so feel free to stop by and get that. Uh, also, if you give, we want to say thank you, and we also want to remind you that all our giving um, in person has switched to boxes that are posted at each exit um, of the sanctuary. So as you leave, they're posted at doors, they're posted at the information center. But however you give, we want to say thank you and just offer that little reminder um, that you can give in person through the drop boxes. You can still give online, you can still text to give, uh, but we've just adjusted it a little bit for our in-person giving. All right, we're going to have a great worship service, so if you will, stand with us. And I just want you, let's, let's do this. What if we did a good clap before church started? Just give, give a good round of applause. There you go, there you go. We need to, we need to get the blood going a little bit in the morning. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and then we're going to worship our God, all right? Dear Lord God, we thank you so much for all you do. We thank you for all that you are, Lord God. And as we come into this place of worship, may our hearts be open to you, Lord God. For you are here. And you live and dwell among us. But we pray that you would open our eyes in this portion of the service. And you would captivate our hearts, Lord God. And, and we would encounter you in a new way. In your mighty name.
and it's from Psalm 31, 7 and 8. And it says, I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Hello. Please share with the beloved. Our buddy, our friend and coach, passed peacefully into Jesus' loving arms from his sleep this morning at approximately 1 a.m. We are happy he is with our Savior. No more pain or suffering. Please honor Malcolm by mirroring his example of loving others. Thank you all for your love, your support, and prayers. They carried us through and continue to carry me. Love each one of you. In Christ. Our hearts are heavy. Malcolm, if we could pray brother and confidant. You taught me everything I know about this truth, Lord. You taught me how to maintain humility, to be a good friend. Very, very smart, intelligent man. A very godly brother. A man of God, but I won't speak for him. You loved him. Just like maybe David loved Jonathan. Good, good father. Oh, God. 
So for some of you that may not have known Malcolm, you missed out on me meeting a great individual. Uh, Malcolm was part of our board, and he was a trustee, and um, he was something else that you couldn't put a lot of labels to. Here in a few weeks, we're going to do something where we're going to give you an opportunity to sign up to be involved in different ministries in the church, and I'll let you know that with Malcolm gone, there's about 20 spots to fill. Um, I got to know Malcolm during the interview process. I'll let you know that I, I never got the chance to know Malcolm before he had cancer. Um, and that's a pretty interesting relationship to have someone that essentially you only meet them um, when they're dealing with a, with a terminal disease. Um, but he quickly became a good friend. Um, he was a little bit better of a golfer than I expected. Um, and, uh, I mean, we'll have time to celebrate his life here in a few weeks, but during the interview process, he, uh, when him and I were together, he looked me in the eye and he said, you're the man for this church, Jonathan. And I don't know why he knew that or how he knew that, but I knew that he spent a lot of time talking to God. And so, though I know Malcolm can't hear me right now, I know Cindy's probably watching, and Cindy, you can know that I'm going to try to be, continue to be that man that Malcolm uh, believed was here to lead Cap City Church. We're going to start a new series today entitled The Call. If you want to find your way to it, well, if you're using your phone, I'm going to have you do something else. So I'll give you the text in a little bit, and I'll give you a chance to find it. It'll be Isaiah 43. It's no secret. Um, but um, we're going to talk about the call, and, and Malcolm knew that he was called, and that's, that's a big deal. Just like all of us can know that we're called, um, he knew what God had called him to do, and why I think one of the big reasons that we loved him was because he was fulfilling that call on a daily basis, whatever that might look like. Um, and when God calls us to something, many times it still requires that each day we get up and see what God needs from us afresh in the new day with the new mercies that he has given us. And so I do want to start off this morning with a little exercise. And um, if you'll get your cell phones out with me, right? Not your Bibles. You think I'm trying to get you the Bible. I got you, Irene. I see you. Pointing out a friend here. She thought, get out your cell phones. Thought you were doing the modern pastor thing. I'm actually going to have you do something on your cell phone that's not the Bible, okay? So get out your cell phones, and I want you to find your way to your call log. Everybody know what your call log is? Uh, okay, so I'll give you the instructions if you're an iPhone user. If you're not, you're, you're on your own, or you're with your neighbor there. Um, but here's what you do. If you don't know what to do, you click on 
um, what they tell us is now the least used app on a cell phone. Anybody know what the least used app is on a cell phone? The phone app, yeah. Funny how that worked out. Uh, and then what I want you to do is, is there's an icon at the bottom that says recent. You click on recent calls. And then when I click on this, I look at the, at the top of the screen, and there's a choice to toggle between all calls and missed calls. All right? And so I want you to grab the missed calls. And, and if you followed along with me so, so far, um, I want you to begin to scroll through that list of missed calls. I don't know how long, I don't know if mine keeps so many or if it keeps a certain, uh, a certain time frame, but, but I went ahead and did this earlier this week because I wanted to be prepared to give you my answers on why I missed uh, the calls that were in my missed call log. So as you're looking at your missed call log, I want you to begin to look at some of those and think about, it's so fun, I can see some of your grins and smiles and you're thinking about why you didn't answer the phone, like, why didn't you get that call that came through? So here's the reasons. I went right through mine, and these were the reasons that I missed calls this last couple of weeks. I had my phone on silent, okay? I didn't have my phone with me. That happens. I didn't have time at the moment to talk, the per talk to the person I knew was calling, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. I knew the person that was, call was calling me because they were in their car driving and they were bored. Don't act like you're better than me. You know what I'm talking about. They don't have anything else to do, so they just, you're at the, you get to be at the top of the list. Lucky us, right? I was eating. I mean, that's just what I was doing. I missed the call because I was eating. My phone told me it was potential spam. That's a great reason not to answer a call. I told the person that I was unavailable, but they called me anyway. Hey, Pastor, can, oh, sorry, it, wasn't, it, it really wasn't a church member, I promise. I'm just on stage, so I said, Pastor, hey, Jonathan, are you available to talk right now? No, I'm not. Ring. I didn't answer the call. So they were FaceTiming me. They were face. This is another person. They were FaceTiming me, and I didn't want them to see what I looked like at the moment. So here's a revelation I had this week when I was preparing this sermon. Every single one of these reasons that I've given, I've given to Jesus before when I didn't answer what he wanted me to do. I had my phone on silent, Jesus. I didn't want to be bothered right now. I didn't have my phone with me, Jesus, because I wasn't looking for your call. I didn't have time at the moment to talk to the person I knew was calling because I knew Jesus was asking for something I didn't have time for right now. I was easy. I was eating. Jesus, please don't interrupt what I'm doing. My phone told me that Jesus was potential spam. My flesh said, you don't have time for his sales pitch right now. I told, I told Jesus that I was unavailable, but he called me anyway. He's so gracious, he keeps calling when we say we don't want him to. Jesus was FaceTiming me, and I did not like the way that I looked at the moment. I was ashamed at the way my life looked like, and I didn't really feel worthy. That's too good. <laughs> I mean, come on. Any other time, I'd be a little perturbed, but that was perfect. Uh, unless that's Jesus calling, right? Uh, for the next... <laughs> Holy Spirit come, right? Wow. Um, 
Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the fact that he has called us, that he is calling us, and that he will continue to call us. We're going to talk about what the ramifications of this call is and, and, and how we can respond. We're going to start off today by talking about all that you have and that you can take assurance in because you know he has called you. So we're going to jump into the Bible now. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, I'll have you give you time to get from your call log over to the passage. And in our passage today, this is important. There's people kind of debate over this. This is an Old Testament text addressing the people of Israel. And some people say, well, that's just for the Jews. That's just for the Israelites. But we believe as new covenant Christians that the principles that were prescribed for God's people in the Old Testament, we were grafted in as Gentiles, into the salvation of Jesus Christ, that we can look at these principles and receive them as application for ourselves. So God was speaking to his people Israel through the prophet Isaiah. He tells them that they are called and that they belong to him, that they are his. He tells them that he will protect them and love them and even ransom others on their behalf. So today we receive these words as the people of God. A ransom was paid for us on the cross of Christ. And in this passage, we can see no less than four encouraging truths that we can carry with us when we understand that we are called by God. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 says, But now this is what the Lord says. He who is your creator, Jacob, and he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other people in your place and other nations in exchange for your life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I pray this morning that as we consider what it means that we are called by the, by the almighty creator of the universe, that we can take heart, that we can take courage, that we can know that we're loved, we can know that we're protected, we can know that our identity is sure in being a child of the, God, of, of the, of the one true living God. Lord, I pray this morning that those who maybe have experienced this calling or wondered about this calling where you're calling them unto yourselves or calling them to a higher level of service before you, that they'll recognize that you're there to take care of every need as they move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I said that today in our passage that we, we see no less than four encouraging truths that we can carry with us when we understand that we are called by God. And the first one is that knowing you are called brings you courage. Knowing you are called brings you courage. Verse 1 today tells us that the one who creates you, the one who has formed you, says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I think about those fearful places in our life and what might cause us to have the courage to move through them. We fear that there won't be security, that there won't be resources, that someone or something will hurt us. But there's something about knowing that you've got the okay, something where you've give, been given permission to move forward that maybe makes you believe that there's things that are prepared for you. Oftentimes, I think of God's calling in our life, uh, feeling like someone telling us to close, their, uh, close our eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever, I, I wonder when the last time is somebody said, now close your eyes. When was the last time somebody told you to close your eyes, right? When you're a kid, 
you have this surprise, like there's something good coming, right? Dad got me a gift. I think maybe as we grow older, somebody tells us to close our eyes and we're like, what are you going to do? <laughs> do you know when the last time was I was told to close my eyes? Last night, little Benjamin, seven-year-old Benjamin, sitting on the couch, he goes, hey, Daddy, close your eyes. I said, okay. I closed my eyes. And he goes, wet willy! <laughs> right in the ear. Wet finger right in the ear. I don't close my eyes around Ben anymore. It is funny. Why do, we, do you think that's what God's trying to do to you? Because we sure act like it sometimes. I'm not going to let you see what's coming. I'm not going to let you see the future. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to turn off your own senses, your own reasoning. And trust me, God, God's not into gag gifts or scary tricks. His surprises are always good. His plans are always best. And, and as we age, we like to have control and we like to see what's coming. So the next time that you're fearful of what's ahead, be, remind, be reminded that he has called you into it. And where he prepares a calling, he provides the courage. Where he prepares a calling, he provides the courage. Knowing your call brings you courage, but knowing your call this morning also gives you identity. This is so important today because we have no idea who we are anymore. Who are you? Who are you? If someone asked you that today, I wonder what your answer would be. Would you talk about your priorities? Would you talk about your values? Would you talk about your occupation? Perhaps you, you would talk about your marital status or a hobby you enjoy. Maybe it would be a talent or a gifting. One of the ways that we identify ourselves in today's world is with email addresses. I wonder if you considered how you wanted people to identify you when you made your email address. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you have your birth year in your email address. Some of you, you know, some of you did that and you don't want to tell anybody how old you are. You understand when I send you an email, I know how old you are. Some of, some of you put your graduation year in there. Some, some of you put your favorite number. I hope you're not using your zip code or your address. We'll help you with that later. We could have a class on that, what, what to do and not to do there. Some of them can be pretty funny. Sometimes you see somebody's email address and be like, this is probably not a very serious person. I won't give multiple examples that come to mind right now because I'm feeling led not to. But I have five email addresses that I know of. And I'm going to tell you why I have those email addresses. I have an email at Westfall Schools because I coach there. I have an email at Nazarene Theological Seminary because I'm a student there. I have a Cap City email because I work there. I have a Gmail account I titled Pastor Barker for communicating in ministry with others. And I have a Hotmail account that I set up for work over 20 years ago that I use primarily to pay bills, shop online, and get thousands and thousands of spam emails in. It's interesting, though, because in the mail app that I use on my computer, when I go to send an email, I have a drop-down box that allows me to pick which email address, what identity I want to email from. In other words, the app is asking me, what identity do you want to use to communicate with this particular person? It's even intuitive. If some of you use the same mail app I do or, or a similar one, you might know this. 
It's even intuitive enough that when I type in the person's email that I'm sending email to, it guesses which account or which identity I want to use. I type in Michelle Heller, and it says, oh, you're working on church stuff. You're buying a golf club on eBay. Oh, that's your Hotmail. Emailing your professor, that's your school email. Stick with me here this morning. This is a big deal because we're talking about how much we compartmentalize our life and how much of a mess we're making. How often do we find ourselves around different people or in different contexts compartmentalizing our identity? I engage with people as is, as is expected of me in that situation. What this does to us is causes duplicity or even worse than that, multiplicity. And it brings confusion and instability in our minds. This takes a toll on our psyche because it doesn't know, our mind doesn't know who we are trying to be in which situation and becomes stressed when we can't keep up with everyone and everything we are trying to be. Have we ever heard it said, the easiest way to remember a story is to tell the truth, right? The easiest way to remember who you're trying to be is to be yourself, to be who God has made you to be, to not try to pretend, to not to try to be a chameleon, not to try to fit in around whoever or whatever it is that you're in for that certain situation. It's what the book of James was saying when we read that a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. This takes such a toll on us. I mean, I don't even have time to get into the way that we represent ourselves on social media that has just become a comparison game of the best of me versus the best of you. Don't miss this today, church. Until we quit trying to please everyone, we won't be anyone. Until we quit trying to please everyone, we won't be anyone. Would you please just be okay with what God wants you to be? It's the best version of you, I'm, I'm sure of it. Back to verse 1 of our text today, it says, God says, I have called you by name. You are mine. You are his. He has a specific plan for you. But you cannot figure it out because you won't quit trying to be like everyone else. Why do we continue why do we continue to so desperately try to gain everyone else's approval? If you haven't figured it out, their approval of you is only going to last for about 30 seconds until someone else or something else gets their attention. It's exhausting. I just want you to be relieved of that this morning. You don't have to please everybody. You don't have to be what everybody else wants you to be or expects you to be. The creator of the universe says, you are mine. And when we rest in our identity as a child of God, burdens are lifted and peace becomes so incredibly real. When we know, when we acknowledge that God has called us, we can rest in the fact that who we are in him is more than enough. Knowing you are called brings courage. Knowing you are called brings identity. And knowing you are called this morning means you are protected. It means you're protected. That courage is not some facade that God gives you to make you feel okay. You are legitimately and authentically protected. I wonder this morning what protection means to you. We buy insurance. 
We buy protection plans on electronics. We lock doors and we have security systems, just to name a few. Uh, just as a talking point, I decided to grab security uh, systems for this point this morning. In November of 2022, a study was done to understand how security systems made people feel. The results showed that people felt far more safe, but that in reality, security systems only reduce crime by about 10%. So theoretically, because you guys know I love a good math problem, theoretically, if you and nine of your neighbors put in security systems and there were 10 break-ins on your street, all but one of you would still be broken into. It's also a fact that if you were to have a security system for 10 years, that you will spend more on the system than you would, than you would lose in one break-in. And only one in 1,600 homes in America will be robbed every year. Now, if I tried to sell most of you a raffle ticket today and tell you that you had a 1 in 1,600 chance of winning, none of you would buy a ticket. But all of us that have security systems apparently believe we'll be lucky enough to get those 1 in 1,600 odds. We think that we're going to be luckier. We think, like, don't walk around thinking your luck's that bad. I'm not, you have a security system or don't. This isn't. I'm not for or against them. That's not the point this morning. I'm sharing some facts with you. What I'm trying to get us to is to understand that we are often much more concerned with how we feel than what is real. We're much more concerned with what we feel than what is real. We do this in all areas of our life. If you'll just allow me this morning. Sexual relationships outside of God's plan for marriage feel like love. Various substances that we put in, inside of our bodies make us feel happy. Likes and comments on social media make us feel important or accomplished. In every one of those areas and so many more, we don't achieve or obtain what is real because we keep chasing the things that make us feel. When you only feel accomplished, you quit working as hard to achieve what is real success. When you only feel happy, you stop seeking real joy. When you only feel loved, you don't have a proper understanding of what real love is. When you only feel safe, you struggle to believe in the one who ultimately protects you. Looking back at verse 2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. We have many names given for God in the Old Testament. He was called Yahweh, which means he brings, brings into existence whatever exists. They called him El Shaddai, which means God is Almighty. Elohim emphasized God's majesty, and Jehovah Jireh means he's our provider. And among other names they called him was Jehovah Nisai, which means that the Lord is our protector. And that's exactly what he is. He is our protector. He goes before us, he's behind us, and scripture tells us that every word spoken against us will be brought down in judgment. And every weapon that's formed against you will not be successful because those against you cannot be successful because God's plans for you are success. If he has called you into the plans that he has for you, 
He is the only protection plan that you need. Knowing we are called this morning means he gives us courage. He confirms your identity. He will protect you. And knowing we are called means we are loved. There's two kinds of people in this, in, in this world. There's people that feel loved and people that pretend they don't need to feel loved because they're not. Did you catch that? There's people that are loved and there's people that pretend that they don't need love because they don't have it. It's, it's a horrible spiral of a trap because the more that we need love, the more we allow ourselves to become hard towards the fact that it's something we truly need. I'm going to invite my friends Paige and Pam onto the stage for a minute. And for those of you that are new, I'm so glad that you're here. I would never do this to you as a stranger. I ask permission to do this from people. Paige and Pam weren't surprised by this. Just, I think it's a good thing to know in case you ever get stage fright. You're safe with me. But as they're coming up, perhaps one of the greatest challenges that we faced during the pandemic was a lack of human contact. Anybody remember that? Anybody go, man, I could just go for a hug. <laughs> I'm serious. I remember we were living in Medina. Me and Allison came down to visit her mom. And because of a lot of the friends and family um, in her life that were dealing with the pandemic and some distancing, Allison gave her a hug and her mom looked like she was going to melt. She said, it's been so long since someone touched me. Now, I, I, I'm not, I know there's so, much, there's so many things that are misinterpreted these days about uh, appropriate, what's appropriate and what's inappropriate, both because of the pandemic and many things that happened. I remember we were taught in different places in pastors' conferences that it was appropriate for a pastor to touch somebody between the elbow and the shoulder. I think that was a safe spot. We talked about a side hug. That was kind of a holy hug. You know, you, you kind of came in from the side. But Paige plays golf for me, or um, I coach her. I don't. I don't really know which one it is, but Paige, Paige plays golf for me, and a, a few months ago, this just worked right in my sermon, a few months ago, I heard about how her and her friend came up with this way that we hug for a certain amount of comfort, okay? So this came from when you're around somebody, they might need something a little bit more than, than the other, other thing, right? Sometimes you need a good firm handshake, maybe sometimes you just need that side hug, but I'm going to have them demonstrate a couple types of hugs for us this morning, is that okay? All right. <laughs> I hope they can pull it off okay. I hope this, this relates. So the first hug they're going to show you is half comfort. Half comfort. So give us half comfort, ladies. This is half comfort, okay? So you kind of feel that's good. That person likes me. They're glad to see me today. But sometimes a situation, right? Losing a big game, uh, maybe finding out somebody broke up with you at school. I don't know what it is that why friends need to hug each other in high school necessarily. But sometimes you need full comfort. What's full comfort look like? Right? That's full comfort. And I still feel like they're playing the part a little bit. I mean, they're mom and daughter. They, I, don't, I don't know if I believe that or not. But there's that full comfort. So will you give Pam and Paige a hand? We're going to let them have a seat. We all need to be comforted, don't we? I mean, seriously, I mean, some of, the, some of the time I get to spend with many of you on Sunday morning just for a few brief seconds just to shake hands with or give a hug or just to see how your week was or have you ask me, it, 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 it means a lot to me. It's, it's a big thing to have comfort in our life, to have somebody there. I, I'll just point her out because I know I'm good with Betty, Betty Noble will absolutely chase me down if I don't give her a hug on Sunday morning. And I like Betty's. Betty gives me hugs and Bob gives me candy. I, what else could a pastor ask for? <laughs> but as I was kind of working through this comfort thing, 
Sometimes we might know somebody needs half comfort. I'll bet this morning with the news about Malcolm, there's a lot of people that need full comfort. Some of you are very close to him, very good friends. There's the comfort we can give to each other, but then there's God's comfort. Oh, this, this verse just came pouring over me this, this week, this passage. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, God is the Father of mercies, and he's the God of all comfort. That means he's there to, to bring coverage, full coverage, for whatever the issue is in your life. All comfort, every situation. It's, it, it just, if you just go to 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 4, you don't have to right now, but some, uh, any other time this week, he just, I mean, Paul just beats this into the ground. Listen to the, the use of comfort. He's the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. God's comfort, God's character is comfort. His action towards you is comfort. He's comforting you in your affliction so that when others are afflicted, you can comfort them the same way God comforted you. It's a powerful thing if you're called to receive the love and the comfort of God. It's all over scripture. I couldn't even, uh, there's no way I could even exhaust it this morning, but in, in Song of Solomon 2.4, he tells us that his banner over us is love. In Psalm chapter 36, he says that his love never fails. It never, ever fails. It's as vast as the heavens. He says, we talk about, if you watched Paige and Pam this morning, really the point you saw is that there was this like, okay, we're halfway. We're kind of, we're not really all in. But then there was this surrounding. We have this image of God as being this mighty creature with wings, and he's, he's hiding us under his wings. He's fully protecting us, loving us, comforting us, protecting us in every way. In the same way, our passage today tells us that he gave others as a ransom for us, and he gave his only son as a ransom because of his great love for you. And that love is calling you unto himself. I'm going to invite the team back up today, and as they come, I, want, I would ask that you recognize that he is calling you. He is calling you. And while that call might seem like a tall task today, he stands waiting to endow you with courage, to affirm your identity in him, to protect, to love, and to comfort you throughout every single circumstance. Hey, if you're here this morning, you might say, Pastor, a lot of this is stuff that I need, but I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. Look, maybe you just haven't entered into a relationship with him. You can know that's a call that he has for all of humanity into a relationship with himself. You can find Jesus today. You can find the love, the comfort, and the peace that only he can afford when you come and pray this morning and ask him into your heart. But Christian today, if you've heard this message, and we're going to talk about the call for the next few weeks, some of us have not stepped into or fully acknowledged the call of God on our life because we're fearful, because we feel unloved, because we feel discouraged, because we believe we don't have what it takes to do it. You're right, you don't. That's what he's for. That's what he's there to bring into your life. This song says uh, that they're going to sing says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. We get scared when we get outside the borders of our own understanding, but that's the place, that's the place where we enter into the spaces of his love and protection and his courage and his identity, ultimately where he has called you, outside of your own understanding. This song also says, 
I am yours. That's us worshiping God. I am yours and you are mine. When we recognize this, we can know, we, we can call upon his name. And we also realize, listen to this, that all of us who call upon him have also been called by him. If you feel compelled to speak to the creator of the universe, you can know that long before you called upon him, he called upon you. And that every time you acknowledge his existence, you're acknowledging that there is a call on your life. I'm going to ask you to stand right now with me and bow your heads. No uplifted hands or anything like that. But I'm going to offer a prayer that you could just say with me right where you are. And in fact, I think it's, it's such a powerful prayer. I prayed it over and over this week to make sure that I just really affirmed it in my spirit. I think it'd be pretty powerful if we just all prayed this together. So with your heads bowed, if you feel comfortable, why don't you just repeat this after me? Lord, open my ears to your call. Make me attentive to you. Open my eyes to your presence. Make me aware of you. Open my heart to your love. And so as they begin to sing this song, as we sing it with them, if, if you want to continue in this prayer, you can do so right here at the altar or right where you're standing. Know that he has called you and receive everything that he has for you. God, we pray that you would make us more aware of your spirit. Lord, that we'd learn to silence ourselves to the noise of this word, world to hear your voice because we know in the stillness is where we find you. Lord, I pray this morning that as we go through this next month and we think about how you have called us, Lord, that if there would be anybody here today that says, I know God's calling me, but I don't know to what. God, I'm sure that the first thing you're calling them to is to an altar of prayer, to a place where they could just kneel before you and say, God, I want everything that you have for me, and I'm willing to lay every part of me down to receive it. I want your love. I want your peace. I want your understanding. Oh, God, help us not to delay. We know that the day is late, God, and that we need people on the front line answering the call of Jesus Christ to go, to make disciples, to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God, we need everybody to be on high alert for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Lord, have your way in this time of response and in this time of worship. We offer ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Rise 
I've been encouraged many times as a pastor by other leaders that one of the key responsibilities of the leader is to keep the people in touch with reality. And while it's my responsibility, it's also a great responsibility that falls on all of your shoulders to make sure that you're staying tuned in with reality. Test every feeling. Why are you chasing it? How are you achieving it? What's the downside of that feeling? God, when you're living in the reality of God's love, it will feel good, but he should be the source. We need to be careful that we don't mix up feelings with reality. It's such an easy thing to do. It's what the enemy has feelings to offer us to keep us from living in God's reality. 
And as we close today, I'm going to share a thought that Miss Cindy shared with me yesterday as her and I were texting back and forth in the, just in, in the time after Malcolm passed. She's reading a book on death. And the excerpt she shared from the book said, it, everything in this life is going to be taken away from us except one thing, God's love. Which can go into death with us and take us through it and into his arms. It's the one thing that you cannot lose. Without God's love to embrace us, we will always feel radically insecure. And we ought to. Be careful, beloved, filling those insecurities with things other than God's love. Anything outside of God's love is not the plan that he has for you. And you want to keep leaning into everything that he has for you. He who has called you loves you and his love will never, ever let you go. Let me pray for us. Father, this morning as we leave this place, I pray that you would encourage us all in the fact that we're called and all the rights and privileges that come with that. Lord, that you'll give us courage, that you'll give us identity, that you'll give us protection, that you'll give us love and so much more. But we know it means surrender on our part. We know it means laying our own agendas down for the sake of yours. Help us to see those things clearly, God. Help us to make space throughout our week to hear from you so that we can discern those things in a godly manner through your word, through our prayer life, and through a multitude of counsel and godly wisdom in our friends and the fellowships that we have. So now, God, as we leave this place, let your blessing be upon these people. Let it be upon the praise that they brought to you today, upon the offerings that they offered up to you, Lord. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.